following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, let me say again to you, uh, welcome, <laughs> distinguished guests. Um, and welcome to everybody. I want to say welcome to artisan members and regulars, to friends and family who've come to be with us on this day. Um, welcome to lots of people from the past. Uh, artisan's history is not that long, but it goes back a little ways. And um, before that, in this very room, um, was another church called Trinity Covenant Church, a sister church in our denomination, and they had a legacy of decades um, in this space as well. Uh, I think some of them are here today, so welcome to you. I hope that some of you were able to have fun yesterday at Cider Days. Anybody go to Cider Days yesterday? Thank you. That was really pathetic. That was the best Cider Days ever. Uh, it's good to have you all here today. Um, I want to explain what's going to happen for the, the rest of our service. Uh, we're going to kind of do two things at once, which is probably more often the case than not for us. Um, but one thing we are doing is starting a new teaching series today called Gardening in Babylon, uh, which is a really kind of a, a fun um, turn of phrase, and I'll tell you what that means in a little bit. We are also, um, of course, here to dedicate and consecrate this building and this room to God's service and to the love of our neighbors and our city. So there's some overlap between these two ideas, the gardening in Babylon stuff and the sanctuary dedication stuff. There is some overlap both thematically and practically. You'll see how that will play out. Um, but we have a, a key passage for this series, this gardening in Babylon series. And this is a passage that's been very important to Artisan Church in our history for reasons that you'll hear more about shortly. Um, but I want to briefly explain what's going to happen in this passage, and then uh, Gianna is going to read it for us. All right? So this is uh, w- one of the Old Testament books. It's a, one of the prophetic books, the, the prophetic writings of the uh, Old Testament. What had happened is the Israelite monarchy, um, that is the kingdom of the Jewish people, had fallen apart. It had split in half, um, and... Not too long after that, the, uh, the northern half of the kingdom had been conquered by the Assyrians. Uh, those of you who know your history know that this was year what? No, you don't know? 722 B.C. The Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom um, of Israel. The southern kingdom, known as Judah, uh, was uh, thought of themselves at least as, as holier and more obedient to God. And so they, they lasted a little bit longer. Uh, as all of you know, in 586 BC, the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom of, uh, of the Jewish people, which was called Judah. And that included the holy city of Jerusalem. Very important place for people of Jewish identity, uh, for the people of God, for the Israelites, the chosen ones. And the people were sent out of their holy city into exile. So no longer could they worship at the temple, but everything that they knew was lost to them. Everything holy had been destroyed. They'd been plundered and desecrated and sent away to live among the Gentiles, which uh, was a problem for them, uh, not only because the Gentiles worshipped false idols and 
would have been considered pagans, but also because they weren't really allowed to have any contact with Gentiles. That was sort of an important part of their religious practice and identity, was that you can't intermingle with the Gentiles, because they're, they're out there, from, they're outside the holy circle. Now, as I've said before, this is a distortion of the original call that God placed on his people, was that they, they would be a blessing, that he would bless them so that they could bless the nations, right? But the, it had been distorted, and so they, 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 they really didn't like being in exile, right? Nobody likes being in exile, right? Nobody's like, I'm in exile, this is great, I got my iPad. Um, I read a book, I haven't meaning to read a book, I haven't had any time. I'm in exile. Nobody thinks that, uh, but for them it was even worse, is what I'm kind of trying to say. And one of the straggler prophets of Israel, who was not thought to be important enough by the Babylonians, or apparently the Jews, to be included in the exile, was still in Jerusalem, sent a letter to the people who'd been exiled, and spoke words on behalf of God, offering them some very fascinating instructions. Not at all what you would expect, given what I've just told you about the, the kind of cultural barriers that existed there and religious barriers. So I'm going to have Gianna come up. Gianna, would you come up, please? And she's going to read this passage from the book of Jeremiah. The page number is on the screen there. Uh, and if you'd like to follow along in the Red Bibles, you can certainly do that. I need to get one for you, don't I? Here, you hold this. Can you say hello to the people? Put the microphone right hello. up to your mouth. Do not know me before. <laughs> and Gianna is going to read verses 4 through 7 of chapter 29. Okay. All right. So let's okay. come right up here where they can see you, please. You just got to speak up a little bit more. Oh, okay. The microphones only give you so much, Gianna. <laughs> okay. You really got to punch them. I mean, vocally. Which speaking. one? We're going to read verse 4 through okay. verse 7, okay? It starts right Thus here. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel... To all the exiles which I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and they live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters in marriage. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Very good. Thank you so much. Some odd instructions, as I said, right? Build houses. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Do the little marriage thing, the way your culture does it, with the giving and taking and chattel and so forth. Um, pray for the city. Pray for those Gentile blanks who have conquered you, plundered you, desecrated the temple, and carried you off into exile because in their welfare, you will find your welfare. These words sound familiar to anybody in the room? We've said these words a few times. So what we're going to do in this series, each week we're going to take one of these little phrases from those instructions from Jeremiah to the exiles, and we're going to extrapolate that and uh, find out the ways that it might sort of have a uh, probably metaphorical meaning for us today, but maybe not. Maybe not totally metaphorical. So today is build houses. We're going to get, I'm going to give you a brief teaching on what that means in just a few minutes. 
Next week on the 13th, uh, we're going to talk about what plant gardens might mean for us. Now, obviously, uh, agriculture is the economy, uh, is, the, is the economic basis of, of the uh, people who read these words originally. Um, our economy is not as much based on uh, agriculture, despite what you might read on Facebook about Monsanto and how they're taking over the world. I mean, for us living in the city, planting gardens is probably not going to be the big thing that we do. But we're going to talk about how to engage intentionally with the way the city does actually operate, including economics and all kinds of other things. The third week is uh, the, the bit about sons and daughters. Now, of course, we don't um, take wives, and we don't give wives, and we don't give daughters, and, and all that stuff. The, the wording there is, is not going to apply directly to us. I mean, some of those things are, are uh, we see them vestigially in our, our marriage ceremonies, but it's not quite the same thing. We don't really think about it the same way with women being um, property. But what does that have to say to us? I think it's talking about families and what it means to raise a family in the midst of the city where God has placed you to minister and serve. So we're going to talk about sons and daughters. Uh, and I promise not to isolate people who are single because I think this, this has meaning for you as well. So we'll talk about that on the 20th. We're also going to welcome three of our brand new babies into our community formally on that day. Woohoo! Yeah. And then on the 27th, uh, we're going to talk about that last bit. Pray for the city. This is a metaphor. For, no. We're actually going to pray for the city. <laughs> there, there, we're just going to pray for the city. Can we just, we're, there's going to be a service of prayer, right? Really looking forward to that. We're going to pray for the city in all kinds of different ways. So you don't want to miss that. So that's the overview of the series. But what I want to do for just a minute is back up a little bit and talk about how this passage, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, how this idea of, quote, gardening in Babylon came to be so important to our church community. And so to do that... I want to invite up my good friend, Jason Condon, one of Artisan's founding pastors. Um, uh, by the way, all four of Artisan's founding pastors are in the house today, and uh, you'll get to say hello to the other ones in a minute. The reason that I want to um, include Jason in this, here, why don't you just have a seat, make yourself home, even though you make your home somewhere else now. Um, the, the, the turn of phrase, gardening in Babylon, is, is that little bit of cleverness, uh, it really is thanks to Jason. Jason kind of coined that phrase for us. Um, each one of the founding pastors of Artisan left uh, his fingerprints on the community in different ways, but this part is really important to you, I know. And so I want to ask you a couple of questions and ask you to sort of share with the people uh, here today some of the history of this passage. So first of all, just Jason, if you'd tell me kind of how and why this passage in Jeremiah came to be so important to our church, to Artisan Church. You were here at the beginning. Yeah, actually, I will stand up because... Okay, I'll sit then. I feel like it, yeah. Then we'll be the same height. Almost. <laughs> that works so well. Uh, part of why this came in was what was happening and then coming across this passage in a fresh way. So it wasn't like, you know, I don't want to give the wrong impression, like I was you know, deeply you know, in the scripture, I was off on a retreat, and you know, just God spoke to me. It was more as observing how God was working through the lives of, of the people who were part of those early formative days, and particularly our, our two families were part of that, which I remember back in those days, we really, in a, in a nauseating way, would always give examples of 
how our houses were across the yard from each other. And it was very nauseating. Everyone yeah. should do life, you know, some way similar to that if they wanted to be. Uh, it wasn't quite that bad, but it felt that way, certainly to a few of you. And so this passage, uh, what was beautiful about it is it was both a means and an end were described there well. So the idea of build houses. So what do you do? You, you take up residence. You follow Christ's example of... Uh, taking on flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood. So that's something you do. The plant gardens. Uh, we even tried to do that literally. At least Tracy did. We watched her from our window uh, <laughs> as, as these, like, you know, this brown field that we had there um, tried to produce plants and stuff. But the idea of, of being part of the rhythms was one of the ways we looked at that. Because when you plant stuff, you have to know how the seasons work and the ebb and flow and, and what fits in one type of soil versus another. And then a really fascinating little phrase there about families. And what captured, how that seemed to capture my imagination was, wasn't just, you know, let your kids marry, but then it talks about this next generation. And the, and the thing that I kind of used to capture that was, how would I live in a neighborhood? How would we be a church that would create a place that we'd want our grandkids to live? And when three-fourths of your community is single, that's a long view. <laughs> and in this today, which... Um, choking up here a little bit too. You know, all these babies, seriously, we have some grandparents here, but as we would say for those who are in, from Maine, these two guys, which we also nauseated you guys with a lot, um, you know, there's a lot of grandparents here today, but you're from away. <laughs> there's not a lot of grandparents that are part of the church. There's like three, four, five of you. Thank God there's finally some, you know, gray-haired saints here that have a clue about life and can share that with us. So all of that, all of that became really important and became... A, a, a little bit of a blueprint, both literally, because we try to do those things very literally and metaphorically. Like how do we then adapt that? So that was, that was part of our membership course. And, I, and I, you know. So there, that's good enough. Yeah, thank you. So I have one other question for you, and um, this, is, this is a harder one. <laughs> good. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I emailed him this question earlier. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't like- I only checked it like when I was sitting there. Like, oh, dear. <laughs> All right. So you were read, reading your email while I was preaching there? There was a so, moment where I was drifting off. And okay. All right. I'm going to be taller than you again. Um, so your current role, what you, what you moved on from, what you abandoned us to do, uh, no, <laughs> what your job is now is as a director of church planting. Um, for a, per- a particular spot in our denomination. Jason is the director of church planting for the East Coast Conference of the uh, family of churches that we're part of, which is it's called the Evangelical Covenant Church. Not it's the just, whole seaboard, just no. Half just half of it, yes. <laughs> so Jason oversees church planting there, which is the starting of new churches. And so my question for you, Jason, is, uh, given that this passage about being rooted in place was so important for us and for you, and now, that, now your job is to like, go all kinds of new places and to uh, encourage people, in some cases, to leave their current church and go start a new one in a new place. I don't want to go too Perry Mason on you here, but how do you put those two ideas together? <laughs> well, um, abandoned, sent away, potato, potato. <laughs> the, uh, I think the theme of exile just carries on in, in all kinds of ways. So there, there is this sense that no matter where we are, we're never quite at home, and that's something we can complain about, be upset about, be angry at God about, or we can decide that he has 
a purpose for us and our community, our family, our friends to be there. And so that's part of it, that's, that you're going to be in exile no matter where you are. It's never going to be quite at home, uh, and that's actually a good place to find God more, uh, more so. So we should never get too comfortable wherever we are. That's, that's one of the ideas there. Uh, the other is what's implied with, with the growth and vitality in that passage. And, um, and the part that's uh, in the NIV uh, translation that, that I think grabbed this idea as well. It talks about marrying, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. And that very last phrase in verse 6 says, increase in number there, do not decrease. Then it also talks about seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. And for me, there's, there's a sense that when things grow, they also grow out of what can contain them, where they are, the space they're in. And so we see families that grow and then literally have to move out of the house, sometimes out of the town, out of the state, out of the part of the country. And growth, just by definition, implies that type of movement, that sort of thing. Then I also think when we go back to what it means to bless a, a community, to bless a city, that that requires uh, a much more robust kind of growth than just being in one place or just having one expression. So I think that's part of it as well, that uh, that, that takes place. And then if we're to not abuse the passage, but to look at the, the metaphorical applications, the, the spiritual truths, because I think it very clearly is saying, here's what you do as a family, and then we apply that. Like, really, put down roots. Be part of the seasons there. Multiply. Live in a way that you'd want your grandkids to inherit what you create. That's all true. I think that also then applies to the body of Christ locally. That what does it mean for this church? Or the, you know, we're planting roughly a, a new church every two to three months uh, on the East Coast Conference where, where I'm director of church planting. So four to six churches a year are popping up in Baltimore, uh, New Hampshire, you know, greater Boston, down by Virginia Tech, all, all around. And um, where was I going with that? The, uh, the idea that not only would a family want to have grandkids, which you only get to by having kids, which for the grandparents in the, in the room, that is the problem, isn't it? That you have to have the kids first. <laughs> And then, the, and then you get the grandkids later, that churches should reproduce. And not just the one time, but what does it mean to be a generational movement? So it's, in my, you know, not always humble opinion, you know, a church planting another church, you know, that's not bad. But how many grandparents in the room would be really happy if it just stopped with your kids? No, it's when it carries on and carries through. So I think all that stuff is actually implied quite strongly in the passage. Um, and then there's the whole rest of Scripture that I think pretty much picks up the slack. Well, I, I wasn't really prepared to talk about that today. But. Well, I know that. It was a long day. Yeah. And you've been working. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's very helpful. Do you think we should plant a church, artisan church, someday? Uh, well, that's a thought. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> We'll be back. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so very briefly, let's talk about build houses, and then we've got some, some housekeeping of our own to do. 
Uh, as Jason hinted, this build houses thing has a, has a double meaning. It first of all means for individuals to build your own houses. Now, um, what, what that means to me is that you want to be purposefully rooted in the place that you live, in your neighborhood, wherever that might be. Um, we, um, Jason mentioned, like living in the city, and that we think that offers us some great advantages as we think missionally about the world. Um, but many of you don't live in the city. You live in the suburbs. You live in the, in the rurals. You live in the sticks. Um, this can apply to everybody. This idea of just, and you don't even have to be a homeowner, okay? So don't necessarily build your house. I think there may be one person in the whole room who actually built his own house. Uh, the rest of us hire somebody else to do it or buy one that's already built. Or you can rent. Don't get hung up on that detail. The point is you want to purposefully be placed in a spot, in a neighborhood, so that you can love the people around you. You can't love them until you get to know them. So you're going to build a house, you've got to actually go out in the yard sometimes, not just to get the paper and come back. The paper was this thing that had the news on it. <laughs> and they used to print it every day. And they would put it out on the... <laughs> but it also speaks to us as a community. That second meaning. Our spiritual house. Just as we want our homes to be purposefully rooted and established in our neighborhoods, we want artisan church to be purposefully rooted and established in this neighborhood. And actually, we're kind of lucky because we're at the intersection of three or four city neighborhoods. And a a suburban one, too, that way. That's why we decided almost exactly two years ago, it's kind of creepy to me when I realize this, it's almost exactly two years ago that we started our capital fundraising campaign called Deeply Rooted. Last summer, by God's grace and by your generosity, we purchased this building. We have a few payments left, but it is ours. So today is not just about this beautiful room that is choking me up and probably choking you up too. It's really about the whole building, which we are still relatively new owners of. It's about the whole kit and caboodle. It's, it's, we're dedicating everything to God's service today. So, what we're going to do is in just a minute, we're going to get up and we're going to do the passing of the peace, which normally happens earlier in the service. While we are up and around, there's a few things that will happen. One is, um, Jesse, I think, is going to bring the older kids, the ones who are in the godly play classroom, so pre-K to third grade, that group of kids, are coming back And if you're a parent, if you could meet them and bring them in, we'd love to have them be present for what's going to happen after this. The rest of the kids are down there with their second rotation of adults, uh, the toddlers. Um, You can continue to use the self-serve baby room if you need. They're going to come through while we're passing the the peace, um, which we do here in a couple of different ways. The traditional way to pass the peace, if you go to a traditional church, is to say, peace be with you, and to respond also with you. A lot of us like those traditional words and we use them. Other people aren't so crazy about the traditional words and they just say, hey, what's up? And shake hands and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. If you want to get fresh in your coffee, you have just a minute to do that as well. That's what the introverts do during the passing of the peace, by the way. Extroverts, they uh, freshen their coffee. (laughs) Um... We're also going to show a slideshow during the passing of the piece. It's going to have uh, images from, I haven't even seen it yet. Um, the Triumphs put this together, thank you to them. And uh, it's going to have pictures that I think will stir your heart and mine as well. 
when everybody's back in and sitting down, we will uh, enter into a, a brief, I promise, formal ceremony of dedication and consecration for this building and this room uh, and how we want it to serve God and love our neighbors in it. All right? So stand up, pass the peace of Christ to one another, and we'll come back in just a few minutes. So I think we have some of our older kids back with us now. Welcome back, guys. Did you have fun in your classroom? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know if I can't hear you because you're quiet or because you're so far away. I would like to begin with just a few recognitions. Um, I said earlier that, that the, the room that we're in, um, not the part I'm in, <laughs> but the part that you're in, and the rest of the building um, belonged at one time to members of Trinity Covenant Church. They were the church that, that constructed this building. And one of the things we learned, by the way, during the course of this expansion, really, really fascinating, almost to an eerie point, um, not only our general contractor on this project for the addition, but th- at least three of the subcontractors on this project were also part of constructing the original building here. Isn't that cool? Oh, man, it's just such a neat thing. Um, I think that there are some Trinity Covenant people in the room. If you are here, would you be willing to stand so we can recognize you and thank you for your legacy? Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. It really means a lot to me, and it's, it's a beautiful thing for me to see the continuity from one congregation to the other. Um, churches have life cycles, and sometimes churches close, and that, that was, a, I know, a, a painful time uh, when Trinity closed for you, and uh, I hope that seeing, seeing something kind of reborn in this space um, helped that transition. That will happen to Artisan someday. Um, hopefully not for a very long time, but uh, if it does, I hope and pray that we will be as gracious and, and giving and generous as the people of Trinity Covenant Church were to us. So thank you for being here today. Um, I also thought it would be neat if I could ask anybody who was in attendance at Artisan Church's first worship service, would you stand now so that we can see who are the real old-timers here at Artisan? <clears throat> You, Lot, you have seen every mistake we made, (laughs) and you have lived through every trial we had, (laughs) and um, thank you for being here. I wish I could, I wish I had uh, a sufficient memory and enough time to mention the name of every person who did work on this building um, as as we prepared for this day. Getting this ready was a colossal task. Um... And there were a number of work days. And I'm not going to say anybody's name because I, I will, if as soon as I start somebody's name, I'll, I'll leave somebody out and I would hate to do that. Would you please, if you have worked a single day on this project, paid or otherwise, um, most of us otherwise, would you stand so that we can thank you for the time that you and the effort that you put into this? 
We have so much work. I mean, hundreds of man hours, <laughs> um, person hours into this, into this project. And um, every time I would come to a work day, I would go home and I would just say, I can't believe these people. They did it again. They came out again. And uh, we saved a lot of money doing that stuff ourselves. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The last thing that I will do before we kind of move into, into a, a time of prayer, I want to point out this cross to you. Um, Ariana is one of our artists, and she came to, to me and said, I have this idea for how we can make a cross to put into our sanctuary when it's ready. And I know enough about art to trust Ariana when she says something like that. And so she coordinated this project. I know, I, know, uh, I don't know if you're here, Ariana can't see, but I know you had a lot of help. Um, but this project is so beautiful. What it is is it's pottery in sections. And if you were here at the beginning of September, we, you, you may have seen this happening. It, she brought it out soft, and we brought in items of spiritual significance to us and pressed them into the clay. There's prayer beads in there. Um, there's hiking boots in there. There's baby's toes in there. There's nerdy board game pieces in there. There's forks and spoons from community dinners that some of you host in there. There's uh, plants and leaves, and in at least one case, there's hops in there. Um, there's there's uh, fabric, prayer shawls and things like that pressed into it. And it's all been fired and colored and hung on the wall. It was a great deal of work. Um, one last stand-up, please, if you had anything to do with, with the cross, especially, Ariana, are you here? I'm so sorry to embarrass you if this embarrasses you, but would you stand up? Because we love this. It's amazing. And thank you to those of you who helped Ariana. Um, and if you haven't been up close to see this yet, please come see it before you leave. It is a real thing of beauty, a real thing of beauty. What I'd like to do now is uh, have a, a few moments of prayer. And I have a, a, a prayer that I'm going to pray. It's a beautiful prayer that comes from our, our denomination's book of worship. But, you know, we always have this blend of formality and informality of old and new and that kind of thing. So what I want to do before we do the, the, before I read this beautiful prayer and ask us to do kind of a, re, a call and response moment from the book of worship I would like us to do something more extemporaneous. Specifically, what I'd like us to do is have just anybody who would like to do this say aloud a sentence prayer for this building. And the way that I'd like to ask you to do that is this. I want you to think about the thing that you are most excited that God can do in this place through this space. What is that for you? Is it, is it somebody's heart being touched through, through the music of worship? Is it somebody being moved by the sacraments? Is it somebody hearing the word proclaimed and having their heart strangely warmed? Is it somebody building community with another person or people? Is it something to do with our neighborhood? Whatever the thing is that you want God to do most. Can you say that in one sentence? I think you can. Um, and I, don't have, I didn't preload this or nothing. So this might fall totally flat. It won't, but it might. I just want to open the room up, and uh, you don't have to stand or anything, but 
chin up and say it loud. Let's pray together sentence prayers for this building. And when that sort of has, when, the, when, the, when there's 30 or 10 or 20 seconds between pops, you turn the microwave off. Um, that's what happens with this kind of prayer too. When it sort of slows down, I will close that time with this prayer um, that I'm going to read. So let's pray together in this interesting way. What are some sentence prayers that you have? Ever-living Father, watchful and caring, our beginning and end. All that we are and all that we have is yours. Bless us now as we dedicate this place to which we come to praise your name, to ask for forgiveness, to know your healing power, to hear your word and be nourished by the sacraments. Let your face shine upon us, making this place for us the very house of God and the gate of heaven. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm going to read some things to you, to us, together, and your response will be, we dedicate this building, okay? Just a few. To the glory of God, our Father and Creator, to the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son, our Lord and Savior, to the glory of the Holy Spirit, our Counselor and Guide, for the worship of God, for the ministry of the Word, for the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, for the salvation of persons, for the building up of the church, for the administration of the holy sacraments, for the education and nurture of persons of all ages and in the truths of the Christian faith, and for the development of Christian character. For the blessing of all people, for the young and old, for the single and for those who pledge their marriage vows, for the sanctifying of home and family life, for the comfort of those who grieve, for strength for those who are undergoing trials, for counsel and encouragement in Christian living, for sympathy and fellowship with the needy, for the cultivating of love toward all people, for essential unity with all believers in Christ, for fostering good citizenship, for resisting evil, for promoting righteousness and justice in public life, for missionary endeavor at home and abroad, for worldwide evangelism and Christian discipleship until the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ. We dedicate this building. Amen. We are almost there, kids. Hang on. You're doing great. You're doing great. (laughs) You can, I promise. So, I mentioned earlier that all four of Artisan's founding pastors are here today. Um, I would like to invite... uh, Jason and Brian and Mike up here with me for just a brief moment. Um, so would you guys come up and, and join me here for just a minute? Yeah, you know, I just want to say it is... It is not an easy thing to plant a church. Um, It costs you something when you do this kind of work. And it's especially difficult when you do it with your friends. Now, that is a burden that that all four of us took on willingly. Um, And for the most part, it was not 
always, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't awful, <laughs> despite my, my reaction. It was difficult, and it cost something to do this kind of work. And my job is, in many ways, um, much easier now because of the work that you three guys did alongside me when we started this. Um, all, all four of us, um, and I, I want to th- think of the three of you, as I said earlier, leave, left our fingerprints on, the, on the, the culture here, on what we do at Artisan. Uh, it's fitting that Mike was leading the band this morning. Mike's great strength, <laughs> uh, one of many, uh, when it comes to band leading, was multiplying other leaders. And so what you had today was a rotation of all the other people who lead whole bands on their own most weeks. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons it was ear-splittingly loud, um, by the way, because we just cranked every musician up here and everybody turned up. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I thought it was fitting that that happened today so that we could see the legacy of leadership that Mike left. Jason told you about the Gardening in Babylon theme. Uh, that's just one of many kind of theological and biblical principles that, that Jason's uh, passions and strength brought to the beginnings of this community which are still with us today. And I still often quote Brian. You may not know this. You might be seeing Brian for the first time today and meeting him today for the first time. But I still quote him very often when we dismiss uh, the service. The thing Brian would always say when he would do the offering and announcements and, and benediction was, go be the church in the world The church is not this building. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the people. You are the church. Go be the church in the world. This is just wood and walls and shingles. And that legacy, Brian, uh, more than maybe you know, has continued on um, long after you left. Um, So never more fitting than today (laughs) to kind of see that that, uh, juxtaposition between what the church really is and what the building really is and how they're connected but not the same thing and not to be confused. And finally, um, uh, it costs something for the pastors to do this kind of work. They opted into it. (laughs) Our families didn't quite as much. Not necessarily. And they came along for the ride. Would you families stand up? Thank you so much. Um, so I couldn't be happier that uh, at this service of dedication, the, the last thing that we're going to do um, ceremonially is, is celebrate Holy Communion together. And I'm so happy that uh, all four of us are here today. We would like to serve you communion. Uh, rather than having you come to the table, uh, we will serve you directly. Um, there will be two stations and you can come up... Uh, I don't know how it'll work. Come up and go back one way and the other. Um, <laughs> you're smart people. <laughs> uh, 
we talk about communion at Artisan a number of ways. If you're here for the first time, I'll just kind of explain this to you. Um, if, if you're a person following Jesus in this place today, you are welcome to our table. Our table is open regardless of your church membership or denominational affiliation or lack thereof. This table uh, is for all who would seek to follow Jesus in this place. May this be for you a remembrance of Christ's sacrifice for you, of his broken body, of his shed blood, and of his resurrection. May it be for you food for your souls, as my favorite theologian said, John Wesley. Spiritual food when your soul is hungry. And may it be for you an act of community and communion and unity and union with each other, with uh, all Christians who are celebrating communion today in our city and around the world, and actually throughout time, because Christians have done this as long as they've been Christians. When you come to this table, you are, act, you are, you are coming into unity with all of those people and with each other. The band is going to continue to play. We'll sing a couple more songs before we leave. And, uh, well, we're not leaving. We're going to have a, a, party, a party and a potluck. But before we close our service, the band can come up now, and uh, we would love to serve you communion. Uh, if you are not uh, a believing Christian, and this is doesn't feel right for you, nobody will look sideways at you if you choose not to participate in this moment. You can sit and pray and think and, and, and ponder. That would be perfectly fine. Uh, but you are welcome to the table of the Lord Jesus. Um, respond to the Spirit's call as you will. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.